When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For not reading her work. <laughs> so um, the reputation yeah. with our ignorance. Yeah. With our ignorance, yeah. Um, so I, it's the American way of truth and justice, right? <laughs> Wait, what's the Canadian way? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, we didn't read your books, eh? Sorry, eh? Sorry. So, hey, this is Podcast episode 21. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am sitting in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Jonathan Kulain over there in Mississauga, Ontario. Hey, how's it going? Ontario. Ontario. All righty. So, as we start every show, as we normally do, let's just do some fact-checky stuff. So, do you want to jump in there, John, or I can do the fact Oh, you, you can do the whole thing this week. It's all you. Bring it. Is it? Oh, is it yeah, all me? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll do yeah so, at 5.50, I said that I mentioned mentioned a tall black uh, comedian and it, who I met at Macworld. And it was actually Sinbad that I met at Macworld, not Shazam. And it was an interesting conversation I had with him. He was there at the, at the thing and I just sort of walked up to him and said, hey, you know, what are you doing here at Macworld? He goes, man, I use a Mac. What are you talking about? So he was there presenting something. But yeah, he was just there as, as a fan of Mac. So that was interesting. Um, and then at 5.15, I mentioned the uh, pseudonym spoiler kind of thing that uh, was listed on IMDb. And the name that was listed was Javid Ik ball which is the name of Shishalati's father's name so and he was he was used used them use him use that name as the pseudonym placeholder until all was revealed a couple of weeks ago at 25 minutes exactly um, I was asking about how did Burnham um, manage to have the big fight with Ash Tyler and then you know they marched him down to the to the transporter to blast him off into space and what I, I went back and watched it and she does in fact not join them initially so she must have gone back into her her quarters called up uh, Saru and, and arranged to have the have him pick up Ash at some at some coordinate and then yeah you put this one down Jonathan but um, uh, at 2501 Burnham's first officer on the ISS Shinzo in the mirror universe is Keila Detmer she has she has the the appliance as Jonathan mentioned on the show last week but in this universe she doesn't have it she's the number one on the ship and she's played by Toronto's own Emily Coots um, in the prime universe yeah so in the prime universe she's USS Discovery 
Marie's helmsman. And that thing that she has in her head apparently augments her, her senses or something like that, which is why she has that. Yeah, and did she get that at the Battle of the Binary, after the Battle of the Binary? No, started? no, no, no. She, she has, she's had that since the very beginning. You oh, know? okay. You know what we're missing is, remember on, on I think it was on the Shenzhou, they had that, um, maybe Jaime might remember, but they were calling it, um, the, the one that had the sort of mechanical head. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were yeah. they calling her? Um, Ensign um, Daft Punk, but there is an actual character Punk, name from yeah. the novelization. Right, right. Okay. Right, so I wasn't sure because we haven't seen that character. I guess she got lost in the binary stars as well, right? And so Donnie Darko, mirror, yeah, mirror <laughs> universe version of her. Uh, so in the, in the last, last little bit here, you've got in here is about your uh, your list o dogs, Jonathan. So why don't you take that over? Yeah. So uh, at the in the after show last week, we talked about the most popular dog names in the city of Toronto, and uh, we looked up uh, how many Kirby's there were. That's the name of my uh, dog. We looked up how many Macintoshes are. That's Tim's. Uh, there are two in the city of Toronto. And uh, we looked, uh, so I, after the, the show, we decided I, I would go in and uh, have a look and see if I could find any Poyos, which is the name of Jaime's dog. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't think to actually go and talk to Jaime about how to spell that. So uh, I, hmm. I went in and looked up there and found out there are 21 dogs named Polo. There are 13 dogs named Yo-Yo. There's six dogs <laughs> named Pixel, which Tim was wondering about because he may or may not have had a cat, according to the city of I Toronto records, heard rumors that was named cat, Pixel. Yeah. And uh, I, I looked up Polo, P-O-L-L-O, Poyo, because I thought that was like chicken, mm-hmm. because that's as far as my knowledge from based on Dora the Explorer goes in Spanish language. Um, Swiper, no swiping. So I looked that up and there was none of those. And so Jaime had a correction that that is not how you spell his dog's name. It is spelled P-O-Y-O. So it's anglicized intentionally. So you, you're, you were correct and very astute that it is Poyo, the Woo! Spanish word for chicken that we anglicized because we knew that if we had to write it down at like the doctor's office and stuff, it would get called out as polo or polio, neither of which <laughs> was a good situation. So it's spelled like yo-yo with a P is how we usually explain it to people. So we did, I did look it up before tonight's show and uh, there is in fact one dog in the huge city of Toronto named Poyo, P-O-Y-O. And there's at least one in Seattle too. And there's at least one in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You've got a kindred spirit all the way across the continent. Mm-hmm. We don't know why they spelled it that way though. This, this bears investigating. I say we take out uh, an ad. Mm-hmm. Desperately mm-hmm. seeking Poyo. Yep. <laughs> like on Craigslist or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Kijiji, come on. We're Is Canada, your dog right? Poyo? Call. Hit us yeah. up at hashtag Spotcast. Yeah. <laughs> Misconnections. <laughs> Misconnections. <laughs> all righty. Okay. So let's do some follow up. So uh, this, I guess this is all Jonathan. You don't, didn't sign your, your name tag. Oh, so, so. yeah. All, all the ones that don't have names on them, that's me. Um, right. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll start at the top. Uh, the nominations came out this week for the uh, awards that continue to pour out. Uh, we'll start with the worst awards. Uh, the Razzie Awards were nominated this week. Uh, the uh, leading contender for the Razzies for uh, worst picture, worst actor, uh, and a whole bunch of other categories was Transformers: The Last Night. Anyone see Transformers: The Last Night? No, I didn't. Well, apparently we were really missing out because uh, uh, let's see, what did uh, uh, IGN called it? Quote a massive shiny mess. Uh, so yeah, it uh, it got nominated for worst picture. It got nominated for worst actor for Mark Wahlberg, who also picked up a nomination for Daddy 
Daddy's Home 2. Uh, it got nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for Josh Dumel. Uh, it got nominated for Worst Supporting Actress for Laura Haddock. Uh, it got Worst Screen Combo for any two combination of human beings, two robots, or two explosions. Uh, and Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. Uh, worst Director for Michael Bay. Uh, and Worst Screenplay. It is literally nominated in every category except for Worst uh, Actress because there wasn't a main actress. Hmm. So uh, I heard yeah. that Jennifer Lawrence got nominated for something on a Razzie. But she she did, and that was a bit of a kerfuffle. She got nominated for Worst Actress for her performance in Mother, the Darren Aronofsky film that came out last year. Sort of really? a, a hmm. sort. I haven't watched it, but from what I've been able to glean from reviews, it's sort of a, a, a horror thriller kind of piece. Um, a lot of people felt that was a little bit of a low blow because uh, you know she you know she was doing a very very different type of sort of you know avant garde movie that you know of course it's not going to appeal to everybody, but uh, apparently they felt her performance was subpar. This is a woman who won an uh, an Oscar a couple of years ago and is nominated like four times by the time she's in her mid-twenties. So uh, yeah, that seems like a bit of a stretch, but uh, they also nominated Emma Watson. They nominated Tyler Perry for Worst Actress as well, which I think is a very progressive move uh, for his performance <laughs> in uh, the latest Medea movie, Medea Halloween, Boo 2. Um, yeah, I mean, some good, you know, big names in there. Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, uh, Zac Efron, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Javier Bardem got in there, Russell Crowe for The Mummy. Uh, yeah, there's uh, Anthony Hopkins for Transformers last night. So there's a, there's a lot of nominations in there for uh, genre pictures and, and some household names mixed in there too. So uh, yeah, apparently. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, lots of mud to be slung in that one. Just looking okay. at this list, I think Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. I've not seen the movie, but just looking at the list, I think it got snubbed from Worst Picture. It has both Worst Actor in Johnny Depp, the main character, and Worst Supporting Actor, Javier Bardem, the presumed villain of the movie. Like, what, what else does it take to make it Worst Picture? Yeah, it also got uh, the worst screen combo for Johnny Depp in his worn-out drunk routine. <laughs> it's Keith Richards thing, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're right. I think I think there might have been, there might, that'd be, might be our first snub. The Worst Picture nominees, of course, uh, let's see, so Transformers we talked about the mummy 50 shades darker the emoji movie and baywatch those are the five worst pictures according to the uh, folks at the razzie awards the golden right. raspberries uh let's see what else we got in the fu so uh wonder woman there was announced this week that wonder woman will be the first major studio film that will implement the uh producer guild uh, producers guild of america anti-sexual harassment guidelines so this is all spun out of all the stuff that we've talked a little bit about in the podcast uh, obviously anybody paying attention to social is well aware of of uh, the the scandals that have been ongoing, all these uh, women coming out talking about the harassment they've had to endure uh, over the years in Hollywood. So uh, Wonder Woman not only uh, leading the way in you know box office and uh, being progressive with a female star in a superhero movie and directed by a woman, it's now going to uh, continue to be progressive and uh, and making sure that these guidelines are uh, there to protect uh, and try and s- stop the tide of uh, sexual harassment on on movie sets. So that's that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that's it's nice to see how quick that turned around, right? Like that was, you know, it's gone from, you know, that being an issue to, uh, you know, these people jumping on that right away. So that's that's cool. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Superman issue 1000 is coming out soon. Uh, and they've announced, uh, it was uh, uh, EW.com announced last week, they had a picture from issue 1000 uh, by Jim Lee, the famous artist. Uh, and Superman is going to put his underpants back on the outside for the first time since uh, they rebooted uh, the costume design 
designs and all that several years ago. Uh, so, you know, longtime nerds like me are very happy to see the return of the uh, briefs on the outside look. Uh, I remember being a kid and thinking, I wonder how old I'll be when Superman or when Action Comics number 1000 comes out. Really? Uh, wow. I remember abstractly thinking like, oh, it'll come out when I'm in my 40s. And oh, that'll be so weird to think like if I'm still reading comic books when I, you know, I could, I could actually own a comic book that hit a thousand. Now, there have been issues that have jumped ahead. They've done DC did a crossover years ago called One Million, where you got to read the one millionth issue of what each of these stories could be and stuff. But this is the first comic that's been going since 1938 to legitimately hit 1,000. So Right, pretty right. neat, pretty neat, and uh, you know, fun way to market. I heard, so I heard today that there's also a story that they've uh, an unpublished story by Joe Schuster and Jay Siegel, Jay, Jerry. Jerry Siegel, yeah, that um, is in this this episode or this uh, issue as well. Yeah, I, I had read uh, I read the headline on that earlier, but I didn't read the story. But I, I remember reading the little tagline that said they're not sure if Jerry uh, wrote it, but they're ah. they think from because it's from that era that he might have. So either way, it's pretty neat to see an undiscovered. It was from 1945, undiscovered Star Wars. Or Star Wars Superman story Wars. from that da, era. That's that's pretty da, neat. Da, 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 da. A lot yeah. of that artwork and a lot of that work was destroyed. They they used to uh, they used to recycle all the paper. They yeah, used to get rid of it. it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, some TV news. So uh, they announced this week that uh, Kid Flash from the Flash TV series is going to be joining the Legends of Tomorrow. That's pretty cool. Kenny Lonsdale. Is that white Kid Flash? Uh, nope. That's uh, he's African American. Oh no way. Yeah. Oh okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, nice to see him getting. A, a little extra room to roam and uh said they were they made some character moves in there uh this year so they've uh, they needed a little little boost of some new blood in there and uh yeah we want to see what Kenyon brings to the, the cast um some sad news this week uh allison Shermer, uh who was one of the producers of uh some of the recent star wars movies rogue one solo a star wars story um and the hunger games series uh, unfortunately passed away this week she was 54 she had answer uh sad sad to hear about that but thank you for all the hard uh, work we we loved your work uh there is a petition up to save the inhumans television show uh there has been some rumors this week again that uh that abc is quietly trying to get rid of this project uh because it did not do well critically nor with right. the viewers yeah. mm-hmm. uh there is now three thousand six hundred and fifty six thousand uh three hundred fifty Three thousand six hundred and sixty-one people who have now signed up on this petition to try and uh, not only bring it back, but have a soft reboot with a new showrunner. Now that is some serious optimism. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that I see that going anywhere. But is there is that more signatures than signed up for Dark Matter, perchance? Uh, you know, that's a great question. We should. I'll, I will. I will follow up on that one. I'm curious. Yeah, mm. yeah I, I generally don't give it too much of a chance to be successful. But if it was to come back, it would make a lot more sense to be on one of the streaming services, if anything, if they were going to go that route of uh, taking the property and, you know, continuing or soft rebooting it. Uh, I could see it more like as a Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or CBS All Access, uh, maybe Disney's sort of thing. Um, I I really couldn't see it coming back to uh, primetime television. So here's an important question. Has any of the three of us actually seen an episode? Uh, I have not. And that's probably the best indication. (laughs) Yeah, I PVR'd it, but never got around to watching it. And they disappear after two weeks on my PVR. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I had intended to watch it because I am a fan of the comic book series, uh, but it just got so scathing 
lovingly ripped apart. And I must admit from every bit I saw, I watched some of the clips when they showed short clips from it. I watched the trailers and I just thought, you know, I, 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 I always fight every year over what I'm going to make the time for. And that just didn't seem worth it. I thought, well, I'll give it a few episodes and see how it does. And if it's starting to gain some traction, I'll make it up and I'll, I'll catch up on the episodes. And it just sort of quietly faded into obscurity and ABC has not mentioned it since. So I think maybe I, I made the right choice. Hmm, cool. All right. Uh, this week was trailer Orama. Uh, we got uh, some mm-hmm. awesome trailers this week. We got uh, a trailer for the second half of Star Wars Rebels season four, which uh, as anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows, I am a huge fan of uh, second. Uh, so they've only got seven episodes left apparently. Um, and it just looks amazing. It, it rolls like a Star Wars trailer. Like it looks epic and grand and, and really builds some mood. So I'm, I'm totally stoked about that. Uh, saw the Ash versus Evil Dead season three trailer. That looks hilarious and gory and just awesome and anybody who's into that is going to definitely want to come back for that uh i saw the new wrinkle in time trailer did you guys have a chance to check that one out no i've been reading the listen reading the audiobook if you can't call, call it that but no i i haven't uh I, haven't, I saw i saw bits of it today but i haven't watched the whole thing yeah i did not see so the no. second trailer well i i would advise checking that one out i wasn't quite sold when i saw the first trailer first trailer was a little more um teasery this one has some meat on it and uh again i still don't know exactly what's happening but i have a much clearer idea and you get a little taste mm-hmm. of all the different performers and the costumes and the set. I gotta admit, it looks it looks really good. It looks really good. I'm I'm starting to turn the corner on that one. Might be worth seeing on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, new trailer for Tomb Raider. A little more exposition. A little more uh, into who Lara Croft is in this movie. Um, again, Alicia Vikander. She looks fantastic. Um, she looks like she's really nailing that character. And uh, yeah, that one is again starting to climb up on my radar into something that might, might be worth going to actually see in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rampage got a second trailer uh we actually get to see uh a flying wolf monster i mean it's just it's bananas but you know as as jaime very very smartly pointed out a few episodes ago you know when you slap down your money to go see a rock movie uh, a dwayne johnson movie you know what you're gonna get and I, I think that movie trailer is you know way over the top but you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get some great popcorn movie time yeah i mean you know that you're gonna need to buy the big tub of popcorn the big you know the big gulp of soft drink and you're going to go in and you're going to see a very charismatic uh, main character regardless of how insane the plot itself was going to be yeah so that's sort of why i uh, anticipate and enjoy with uh, dwayne the rock johnson movies yeah well jumanji was top of the box office this weekend again right so yeah that that's, one's that's uh you know very quietly especially in the wake of uh star wars has just very quietly done well uh you know it, it's taken the box office the last couple of weeks and has made a bank load of money and you can guarantee that you know studio uh, people are paying attention to that although it does feed into the whole you know well we can reboot anything at this point which you know I'm not sure that's the best thing Uh oh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and another nice trailer I saw today was uh, I Kill Giants Uh, a lot of people may not be familiar with that it's a comic book that came out oh geez easily four or five years ago Um, that is an excellent excellent comic book highly recommend picking that one up it's as a complete graphic novel you can pick up uh, on uh, any of your uh, brick and mortar or online bookstores um, and they're turning into a movie uh, there's a really good trailer up for that and uh, that is definitely worth check out as well uh, and finally for me uh, I was just going to throw this in here it's not really news but uh, Sarah Douglas was a guest star on Supergirl 
Carol this week. Uh, for those who were too young to remember, Sarah Douglas was Ursa in the original uh, Superman, the motion picture in Superman 2. Mm-hmm. He was Zod's uh, right-hand woman uh, and she was like right up there with Carrie Fisher for me on like all-time crushes. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like dark and... the leather pants. Oh my God, are you kidding it. me? Yeah, I was like, you know, five years old, six years old. Uh, I knew I was in love. She had the bright red lipstick and the, the leather outfits. Yeah, she was fantastic. Uh, she's, I, I think I looked up the other day, she, I think she's 65 now. Uh, she still looks fantastic. She had a small role on this week's uh, Supergirl. I recognized her immediately and got so excited to see her. Uh, I love how the, that series and those uh, CW series pay homage to the people who have come before them. Uh, of course, the original movie Supergirl uh, is one of the cast uh, recurring guest she's stars. Mom, yeah. And they they're brought, mom, right? yep, they brought um, Dean Kane back to be uh, Kara's and uh, her sister's dad. Um, so, you know, they're always dropping these little uh, I love you notes back to the past and... Uh, and Lois, but she's dead now, right? What's that? The girl that played Lois, uh, the lady that played Lois, Mark? was, was um, um, Monel's mom? Uh, yes, they killed, yeah, they killed her off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about Terry Hatcher is what you mean. Sorry. Terry yeah, Hatcher, yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. I stuck yeah. on the name, yep. Yep. And that's it for me. Uh, Jaime, what do you got for us? So, this one seemed to play into a couple of things we've talked about. One being Thor Ragnarok and uh, also Movies Anywhere, which came up, if not in the main show, then in the after show last week. Um, in this case, uh, it regards with uh, iTunes and Vudu, both streaming services, um, participating in the Movies Anywhere program, where uh, Movies Anywhere is a program that lets consumers watch their movie libraries across devices and various apps. So hypothetically, you sign up with an account and you say, hey, you know, I bought, you know, Gremlins on iTunes. And if I switch over to Google Play or Vudu or what have you, whoever's participating in here, I'll be able to just watch it there instead of having like to pay again, because these are disparate uh, ecosystems for uh, payments. Well, apparently there was some sort of mistake in the handshake of how this all works, because some users on Reddit, as it's reported here, noticed that when they placed a pre-order for Thor Ragnarok with Vudu, the movie showed up as immediately available on iTunes. So there's something hmm. kind of weird and funky going on with the release there. So um thought it was just kind of an interesting tidbit. Presumably they've already closed the uh, the hole on this one, but wouldn't be surprised if you find you know 720p copies out there somewhere. And sure. I, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, and I, and, and I think the spin-out from that was that it immediately became a pirated film too, right? It just started spinning out there as as available for uh, for the people who are looking for the illegal downloads too. Right, right. Yeah, and of course, and I, I have a comment about Movies Anywhere. I did look into it after we talked about it last week, and boo, it's only available in the United States. So Of course it is. But oh, we'll, that explains why you guys had no clue what I was talking about, because I only sort of vaguely knew about it. Yeah. Yeah, and to answer Jonathan's question from last week, it doesn't appear that you pay for it, but it looks like you... I read some of the terms and conditions, and I think you you sign into your various accounts through it, and it joins them all up together. So yeah, so you have to put your Apple ID in there and all that kind of stuff. And well, we'll, we'll get it, but it'll be late in the fine tradition of things from America arriving here. Yeah, it'll probably be running on HomePod, you know, yeah. by the time we get it. Yeah, that's tune in for more than just code for that comment. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim, you had some stuff for us too? Yeah, so uh, this was an interesting thing. I saw this on Twitter. One of the... Uh, it's I, I'm surprised, again, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised to hear that people don't like The, the Last Jedi because um, there's all kinds of different things out there, uh, rumors and, and innuendos and things about people claiming that things aren't canon. And one of the things that they claimed is not canon is the ability for a Jedi master to project a, a project himself or project objects, you know, far across the, the universe or whatever. Um, and that sort of holographic projection thing that, that Luke does with the dice, spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it, and also with himself and, and Snoke does some projection stuff work in the in the movie as well. 
Um, but apparently director Ryan, I've lost his name now, Johnson. Ryan Johnson, you know, um, proved that in fact in the, you know, on Twitter that he pulled out a couple of uh, issues of, I think it was Jedi, hang on, just opening the link here. He pulled out a book called The Jedi Path, uh, which explains in, in, in any, that a Jedi Master has the ability to uh, project a doppelganger or simulfer, I can't even say that Simulacrum? word. Simulacrum? Simulacrum. I don't know. Oh. Anyway, I'll, I'll put it in the link. <laughs> link in the show notes. That prevents, permits a Jedi to create a short-lived duplicate of himself or herself or an external object that is visually indistinguishable from a, from the real item. So that's how, and then goes on to explain a bit more about it. So that's how he's able to project, or these, these Jedis are able to project themselves. So people were complaining that this wasn't, you know, you know, saying of Ryan Johnson that he'd done something that was not, you know, within the realm of uh, Jedi dumb, but apparently this is an official Jedi guidebook that was written at some point in uh, the past and by Daniel Wallace, and uh, it's uh, considered to be part of Jedi history. So take so that, trolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you trolls, you. It's, it's a, an especially delicious burn because, you know, a, a big thing that uh, a certain part of the fan base has struggled with is what to do with the extended universe and how it's generally considered non-canon and it's, it's been rebranded as like the legends of like, oh, there's a legend that, you know, Boba Fett did blah, blah, blah. Um, so to use a part of the, essentially the extended universe or legend stuff as proof positive that what you did was okay is particularly delicious for this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Um, quick, quick hit here. Netflix is now worth $1 billion. So billion? if you got your stocks in Netflix, you're a happy person, but wait, do you mean a hundred billion? Cause that would make, Oh, sorry. A hundred billion. Why did I put, I put <laughs> yeah. Cause billion. Like, sorry. at 1 billion, that's a steal. I mean, even Star Wars itself sold for four. Wait, let me say that again. So Netflix is now $100 billion. $100 billion? Yes, yeah. It puts it sort of up in Apple range, doesn't it there, Jaime? I'm not certain. And for those who are really Apple. confused, no, Netflix did not announce any sort of like update to their pricing program. Um, its market capitalization is worth $100 billion, just based right, on right. Uh, its stock performance. Yeah, which is interesting because we've always talked, we've talked often about on this show and other, and other podcasts that may, Jaime and I may participate in, like more than just code, um, that we're not sure how many subscribers there are to Netflix around the world, around the globe. Um, interestingly enough, though, I was talking to, or I was watching a, a, a thread on uh, Twitter the other day about a friend of, a guy I follow is going down to New Zealand and he was wondering how to catch, um, I guess it was Discovery down there. And apparently all the people down in Oz said that they watch it on Netflix. So clearly Netflix is taking over the world in terms of uh, media content, things like that. Well, I think we talked like. about that um, several episodes back. So Discovery was financed by Netflix. Uh, right, yeah. And that's where it airs everywhere outside of uh, Canada and the United States, I believe. Right, okay. Yeah, good to know. So they get it for free and Jaime has to pay like $9 or $5 a month? Yeah, to be fair, the only people that have to pay for it are people who have it, uh, well, pay for it, I guess. You pay for it Netflix, you two people have to pay a separate fee for it uh, outside of your uh, regular monthly Netflix cable bills is uh, is our, our neighbors to the south. Right, right. Well, and there was that sort of Amazon tie-in too that we talked about last week where you can get it as part of your, I believe Amazon Prime, but you have to pay the extra toll for it as well. So, to get you coming and going. Indeed, but, you the, know, the double dipping there by CVS is, I mean, I don't personally like it because I have to throw down my five ninety nine a month for CVS All Access, but putting on my hat as if I was them, it's like, wow, that's a brilliant business plan. 
you're, yeah, you're getting sure, money from sure. the Americans, you know, all the fans, and you're getting money directly from Netflix to distribute it across the globe. That's, I mean, what what could be better than that? Oh, yeah. I have a I have a quick follow up on that same subject. I saw today, and I didn't uh, get too deep into the story, but I saw that uh, we talked about Cloverfield Three uh, uh-huh. in our movie preview uh, several episodes ago. So there's a rumor, or a rumor, a, a, a internet speculation out there that uh, Netflix is going to purchase the rights to that film, and that's where it's going to make its premiere. Really? Hmm. So, but not in North. Yeah. I, I, again, I'll, I'll I'll try and dig into that a little bit more for n- next week's episode. But uh, yeah, so that would be an interesting development. I mean, we're, again, we were talking about how they're making these larger and larger forays into uh, that kind of content. But uh, to go out and scoop the, I mean, that's the J.J. Abrams project. Uh, he, I, of course, didn't direct it, but I mean, that's still that's that's some big territory to start picking things out of. All right, cool. And I can't believe I'm actually scooping Jonathan on a comic book. I can't believe it. Wait, what now? But I just found out that this Star Trek Discovery is coming out with a comic book called Succession, which follows our, you know, the dark universe um, part of this season, second half of the season. And it's coming out. It's been written by Mike Johnson, who I have no idea who that is. Of course, Jonathan does. And Christian Beyer, who is one of the show writers on, uh, and she also wrote, I think, some stuff for Voyager. Um, and that's coming out in April. So cool. The, um, yeah. So that's going to be neat. And it's a mini series, comic book mini series. So yeah, I must admit, I, I, I have never been a huge fan of Star Trek comics over the years. Uh, I, I have dipped into a few of them over over the course of my uh, fandom, but it's never really sat with me. I've actually preferred the novels, which is strange because I'm a huge yeah, comic book yeah. fan, but it just uh, they've never really done anything for me. So I'll be curious to see uh, what the what the reaction is to that. Well, we look forward to your reporting on it because I certainly won't read it. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All righty then. So I guess that brings us to the main part of our show, which we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery, the actual TV show that's on TV and CBS All Access for Jaime. Um, so yeah, our usual disclaimer, we are going to talk about Star Trek Discovery and we're going to be talking about episode 12, Vaulting Ambition. So shall I take the lead this one this time? Go for it. All right. So, and I got to remember. Oh yeah. So we start off in, as I said in the last episode, there was a preview uh, last week, but we start off with Burnham and Lorca traveling to the Imperial Palace, which is actually a ship called the Charon, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's spelled C-H-A-R-O-N. And uh, as I mentioned before, um, the, the, the code has been decrypted and put onto an iPhone 7 and sent over to, to uh, Michael Burnham. And she explains to Lorca about how it, it talks about how to get back, but a lot of things have been redacted in the text, so they can't read it. Meanwhile, Stamets is stuck inside the Mancinial Network, which was where he left him with his mirror self. And uh, so he's wandering around there t- talking to his, his counterpart from the mirror universe. Uh, Tyler Volk is in sickbay, losing his he's losing his marbles, as Jonathan's got note in his notes here. Um, so he's flipping between being Ash and flipping between being Volk. Uh, and of course, they have no idea what to do with him there. Um, when Michael Burnham meets the Emperor finally in the in the throne room, there she says uh, she greets her and says welcome back and glad to see you and all that kind of stuff. And so here here pick out pick out a Kelpian for your Kelpian for yourself. And so she picks one that looks suspiciously like Saru. And later they're having dinner and uh, the emperor asks her uh, how she is enjoying her kelpian and offers to eat her uh, offers her ganglia on the end of her chopsticks <laughs> but, it, but before we get there so so as i said emperor giorgio does um, reveal that she knows uh, burnham in fact it turns out that she knew that they were working together and in fact it seems like in our prime universe sarek raised uh, giorgio after her parents were were killed off and in this universe um, emperor giorgio uh, raised uh, I mean, she may not have been emperor at the time, but she raised uh, Michael Burnham. So she's a little annoyed that that uh, Lorca kind of stole her away and, 
and hypnotized her or whatever he does. Groomed, to, to, I think, is the word. It's it groomed, very creepily yeah, used. Groomed yeah, her. Yeah, groomed to overthrow mm-hmm. her, yeah. So, uh, at, and then all of a sudden, Georgia decides she's going to personally execute Burnham, so she sends her off to the execution room, calls the executioners. Um, meanwhile, Stamets is talking to his counterpart and, and trying to explain how they use the engineering, how the myce- how they're using the mycelial network on the Discovery, and he sees Culber at the corner of his eye, so he starts chasing Culber down around and, and uh, you know, in one of those typical, you know, kind of sci-fi ways that you just sort of see him walking down corridors and things like that. So he chases him down, finds up in a cabin, in, in their cabin where they live together, and um, Culber tells the Sam, it's inside the mycelial, mycelial network, that he is in fact dead, and he's been, he's died, and so on and so forth. Um, back in the in the discussions between Burnham and the Emperor, before uh, the Emperor has an opportunity to kill Burnham, she says, hang on a second, I got something that you might be interested in. This is where they totally lost me in terms of plot points, but uh, Michael Burnham says, you know, I'm in fact not your Michael Burnham. I'm from another, un- I'm from uh, another universe, and, you know, we, we got this technology to get here, so, and she hands the, the Emperor her uh, Giorgio's actual com badge from the Senjo, and um, this validates that, in fact, that it is uh, from another universe, because they, they check the quantum signature on the metal, and, and you know, uh, the Emperor flips it over and sees that, in fact, it was, you know, Captain Giorgio's uh, com badge. So, uh, this all starts to get the wheels turning in uh, the Emperor's head, and she pulls out this little sort of throwing star kind of thing in a, in a kind of a magical Star Wars or Star Trek kind of way. She flips it, and she's, she's standing in, the, in a room with her, um, her lords in a circle, and she flips it, and it goes through the temples of all of the lords, and they're all instantly, they instantly die, and she turns to the one man standing there who, who did the scanning, and his name is Lord Elling, and she says, can you keep a secret? <laughs> and he says, of course I can, and so she lets him live. Meanwhile, back on the Discovery, Saru is still trying to figure out what's going on with, with, uh, with Tyler Volk, so she, he goes down to uh, the, the uh, brig to talk to Laurel, uh, who's got her back to him and, and refuses to, to cooperate with him until she Saru reveals that, in fact, Tyler has, or Volk has awoken inside of Tyler. And so they have a conversation about how, I forget where, the, where this part happens, but she, she talks about how she, uh, um, or how they managed to put together this, this Tyler uh, Volk, you know, um, melange, I guess, this kind of joining the two, two consciousness and bodies and uh, how they, they found Tyler's body in the, as in the debris of the binary stars and mapped him onto uh, Volk and transformed his body and, and put him inside there. Back on on the uh, Karan, Burnham and the Emperor strike a deal to exchange the, the Discovery's design, uh, energy specs using the um, spore drive. There's a, a name for it, I forget what it is, but the, using how to use a spore drive uh, in exchange for their ability, their letting them go, which again, like, come on, I mean, I'm not dumb, but do you think that she's really going to let them walk out of here, as it were? And she's supposed to also, I forgot to put that in the notes, she's also supposed to give them the uh, details about the crossover of the Defiant into their universe, so they can try and right. figure out their way back. Right. Oh, sh- so that they can do it without using the spore drive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it came through some sort of anomaly or whatever, right? Yep. Um, it's always some sort of anomaly. Saru, mean- Sar- uh, Saru meanwhile, beams uh, Tyler into the cell with Laurel to kind of uh, convince her that, you know, that he's... he's she, actually, he show, shows her a scan of, or like a, a video, uh, a vine. Honestly, it's, it must be a vine <laughs> of um, of what Tyler has done to himself. Apparently, he started ripping his his chest apart, I guess. Is, I didn't really see it very clearly, but yeah. that's what I kind of... Yeah, he's trying to get at the to, inner self or something. Yeah, peel himself out of himself or something like that, right? So so they beam his body into 
Ralph's cell, and of course she's you know cradling him like you know you do with your your dying or or injured lover kind of thing. Um, and she, I think she agrees to help uh, do whatever she can to separate the two consciousnesses or whatever they're they're going to do with it, right? Lorca, what meanwhile is inside the detention cell, and he's confronted by um, the captain of the ship, uh, who is who brings one of his his buddies and says, if you don't tell us what you know where 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 she is, and he doesn't say who she is initially, but apparently Lorca has stolen away with this man's sister, um, and you know say her name, say her name, or I will kill uh, this this poor dupe who followed you, one of his loyalists. And of course, you know Marcus Lorca says, no, I won't. And of course, they kill the guy, right? So um, too bad for that. Um, meanwhile, back on this in the sick bay, Laurel does puts on these magic gloves. And I guess they're like those gamer gloves he used to wear in the nineties, and and um, massages uh, Tyler's head and fixes his brain somehow. Colber in the in the in the mycelium network says that Stamets needs to heal the network somehow. And uh, when he does, essentially, you know, it's like tap your heels together and just wake up. I think they did that on Supergirl too last week too, or two weeks ago. And uh, so yeah, he comes out of his coma, but at the same time, the mirror Stamets also comes out of his coma because he did the same thing in the mirror universe. He ended up stuck inside this this mycelial network. So we've got here a point that mycelial network or the mycelia are dying on Discovery. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He goes he into and, the big warehouse and, where they keep uh, all the mycelia, and you can see that they're all right. wilting. Right. Yeah. He goes into a tilly, and um, so Burnham and Lorca piece together. Oh, so hmm? why do you have why do you have Burnham and Lorca? <clears throat> oh, so the, there's a big exposition scene at the end of the of the. Uh, it's actually it should be Bur- uh, Burnham and uh, Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. They they piece together and they figure out that they're talking about the fact that the that they you know Lorca must be the mirror Lorca, not not the prime Lorca. And uh, Lorca, when he gets out of the thing and kills the captain, uh, gets out of the Agony booth and he kills the captain. And he says, of course, the captain's sister's name is Amy or no. Eva or Eva? Eva, I believe. Yeah. So, in fact, he admits like to the audience, I guess, that he is, in fact, the mirror Lorca. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Yeah. Ta-da. Big, big episode. Mm-hmm. Con- we confirmed a lot of lot of theories that uh, we confirmed that um, Volk and Tyler were one in the same last episode. Uh, this one we, I mean, I kind of said last week that I kind of wondered if Georgiou and uh, Burnham had a prior relationship in this universe as well. Yep. And in fact, they did. And it was like mother and daughter kind of thing, right? So in a sort of evil mirror universe kind of way. Right? Um, and we also found out that uh, Lorca, as you guys surmised, that Lorca is in fact the mirror Lorca, yep. which, you know, took a lot of people by, by surprise. I was surprised to hear that um, people people claim to be surprised by that. I mean, I know I was because I, you know, you guys kind of revealed it to me last week, right? Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, when you go back, I think this, I think we talked about this uh, in a previous episode, but I think this is going to be one of those shows where you can sit down uh, on a Netflix and watch it back to back to back as a binge. Uh, and you can actually sort of follow those threads when it's not a weekly series. It's going to, you know, be a little more evident where you see some of these things going. They've done a good job by spacing it out of sort of building the tension of maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, there was a great, uh, I think, you, Tim, you had uh, posted on our Spockcast's Twitter about yeah. the uh, the light, right? The uh, the fact that when uh, at the end of uh, the previous episode when they were attacking, when the Chiron shows up and starts bombing the uh, the aliens uh, on the planet. The rebel scum. The rebel yes. scum, yes. The uh, All the people on the bridge have to turn away and cover their eyes because they're much more sensitive to light. Which including we, Lorca. Including yeah, yeah. Lorca, who is, uh, so they established that that is one of the things that is a common trait to people in that universe. And Burnham's the only one who can actually look at what's happening, uh, which is yet another sort of clue that we could have picked up that uh, 
that Lorca, you know, you know, they mentioned episodes and episodes ago, fourth, fifth episodes, they mentioned that he has this problem with light and they blamed it on the accident that claimed his ship in the uh, prime universe. But now we know it's just because he's a no good stinking mirror guy. <laughs> so here's my question. Here's my question to the two of you. So what we learned about Lorca in this episode is not just that he is the mirror Lorca, but we learned that he had, uh, we'll say, groomed, seduced uh, a young Michael Burnham uh, away from his, uh, away from her mother, her adoptive mother. Um, we've established that, you know, in some of the behaviors he's shown in our universe, uh, that he is a murderer. Uh, he's clearly manipulated things to get them here. So the question is, uh, is Lorca the bad guy 100% for this series? And is he a redeemable character or is he just the monster now? Hmm. And has he always been the monster? I, so I kind of, my my gut feeling is that Emperor Georgiou is going to be the monster. She's going to be the 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 bane of everybody's existence because she's she's going to cooperate with Burnham now. She's going to say, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Just give me the, the plans. We'll let you go. And then she's going to pull that, you know, complete, you know, turncoat kind of like, did you think I would be so foolish as to blah, 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 and, you know, throw them in the cow, put them in the agony booths and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't know about Lorca. I'm not sure what, what that, where that's going to go because it's kind of, it, I think we'll have to have some sort of exposition as to, as to his, you know, grooming and seducing and, you know, the backstory like they did with, with uh, Sarek and, and Burnham on Vulcan. They'll have to have an episode like that where it kind of shows her, you know, happily eating Kelpian with her mom and, you know, mom, you know, having Kelpian barbecue and that kind of stuff, right? Mm, Kelpian. Kelpian, yeah. Mm. Ganglia. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> with 18 herbs and spices, it probably goes <laughs> yeah, really exactly. good. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. KFC, yeah, I, man. KFC. I, t- my take on it is, um, I think ostensibly he is the villain of the series because he's been manipulating everything this whole way, which to me means that Discovery is going to be really good, you know, once this season is said and done, it's going to be really good to go back and rewatch knowing what we know and try to pick up on different things like, yeah, you know, Lorca's kind of weirdly obsessed with Burnham for what appear to be non-obvious reasons. Right, uh, yeah. That we says, oh, whatever, you know, she's super talented, just just move on with it. It's a common Star Trek trope, right? Um, I think he's, I hesitate to call him just the straight up villain because I, I, I think I do agree with Tim that kind of more the, the direct antagonism now is going to come from Emperor Georgiou, but I think it's kind of more akin to the way that, uh, you know, with the exception of like uh, the winter that is coming in Game of Thrones, there isn't like a direct villain, right? There's a lot of different, a lot of different houses that are trying to, you know, maneuver around each other politically, and some are more virtuous than others, but some of the ones that would uh, normally in like a normal TV show be considered the villains aren't really villains per se within the context of that show. Right, right. And did, didn't Lorca play Hook? At, I'm sorry, um, or Lorca. Didn't he play Hook at one point in one show, one Peter Panny kind of thing? Jason Isaacs? Jason Isaac, yeah. I think he, I, I, I have a vision of him playing Hook. And also, well, of course, we know him as as um, Voldemort's uh, secondhand man in, in Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Malfoy, Lucius again. Malfoy. And, and Lucius Malfoy, right, yeah. I think he was a Captain Hook for some iteration of, of Peter Pan. That will that will need some follow up for sure. Yeah. All yeah, right. So I'll like, find out if he was in Peter Pan. So he so he's uh, he always sort of ends up playing these these. Mind you, I, I I did see him in one show where he was like I mentioned at the beginning of the series where or our series here that that uh, he played a a good guy in the dig right, but uh, a relatively good guy. He was he, he again he had that sort of shady past. But you know I was thinking again what you said last week about Jonathan about you know we're trying to trying to get give me for me to give you my ninety percent confirmation that he was in fact the the mirror Lorca in the scene where he's in you know in the bedroom with uh, the admiral and she says where did these scars come from mm-hmm. on the back 
of his. Yeah, that sort of any kind. Of, oh well, that that one of course was the blah blah blah. You know, uh, that's what I was sort of saying. But when when Burnham shows up, she'll you know she'll have blonde hair and she'll you know have a big scar across her face. I, I'm surprised that they're not looking at this Lorca, at this Burnham going. You're not the same Burnham. You know. So is there a prime Lorca? And if so, is it is it he's still alive somewhere? Do you think is Jason Isaacs mm. in for the long haul on this show, or is he a one season wonder? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, we thought the Michelle Yeoh. We were kind of surprised by her sudden demise at the, almost in the first episode, right? That didn't make second, sense. Yeah, to second us. episode. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but you know what I mean. Like yep. she kind of came and went real quick. Yep. So her coming back as the emperor makes total sense now because now she now she's got a way to and if she, you know she's going to get the technology and in season three and season four she's going to flip back and forth to prime universe and you know wreak havoc and you know um, yeah I, I don't know I think I think there may be sort of uh, um, there may be some some sword crossing between the emperor and uh, and Lorca going forward yeah for sure you know he's such a good character to sort of just you know, have him be only for around for one season though right yeah it's not like he's you know um, Anthony Hopkins or something like that right so. no but I mean he's a he's a legit movie actor I mean again not that those worlds haven't blurred I mean we had news today that uh, Meryl Streep is going to be on the second season of Big Little Lies on HBO uh, really? wow. so that for me is the death of that line like yeah if it, wasn't, the, the, if it wasn't dead before it's dead now there is no line between television and movies when, yeah, when Meryl no, yeah, Streep shows say. up to be on a show sure. uh, even if it's a you know a limited run series that's huge well that's doomed you'll never watch that show now Meryl Streep I don't have a problem with Meryl Streep oh let me see the other one I'm thinking of oh you're thinking yeah. of uh, oh what's her name um, yeah from from uh, the movie with Michael Douglas yes uh, wasn't Meryl Shirley Streep McLean? In, in... Shirley McLean no well, Shirley McLean yeah no she's she's the mother of these women um, no it was uh, the other one um, oh, what was the one about the the guy who has the affair and, and she goes nuts on him oh uh, Glenn Close Glenn Close yeah yeah although Glenn Close is one of my favorite all time movies Ron Howard's The Paper so you know yeah, I, well, there you go. I could take her in, in small doses I must admit I, I'm still not huge <laughs> on her Fatal Attraction performance that was yeah that's what I meant yeah that yeah, was yeah. pretty over the top but uh, yep. boiling the bunny um, mm. so switching gears um, let's uh, I want to ask you guys about the uh, plot line with uh, Stamets in the mycelial network and his right, yeah, yeah. sort of conversations with his now dead boyfriend husband I can't remember what the nature of their relationship is um, yeah. but it, it was at times kind of sweet and, and those two actors have great chemistry and, and you know there was a lot of sweetness when he when, when Stamets asks the computer to play the opera that, that uh, Hugh loves that he hates you know there's some sweetness there uh, but I still ended up coming out of that with a bad taste in my mouth and it was a lot to do with that whole you know sci-fi uh, kill your gaze you know there was a mm-hmm. whole sort of after he was killed sort of unceremoniously by Tyler a couple of episodes ago um, there was a whole sort of pushback of well no no he's you're definitely going to see him again and there's a whole thing coming and don't you worry and I if this is it that 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 does not leave me very feeling very good about how they wrapped all this up if, if all that was was we're bringing him back so that he could say that he was dead and kiss his husband goodbye like that's that's kind of weak sauce and and I don't think that that was an emotional journey that's very satisfying especially for the milestone of having two gay uh, crew members prime crew, uh, crew members on a Star Trek show right right well maybe they'll bring him back like they did with the uh, Deep Space Nine with the um, remember the uh, captain of Deep Space Nine and he had that sort of relationship with the oh in that um, what were they called the leaders the legends 
Bajorans or something like that, the forefathers of the Bajorans. Oh yeah, the ones who live inside the uh, wormhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe he'll be he'll, he'll be like a wormhole entity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to go, go and have conversations with him from time to time, right? I, so. I I don't know. That's the question. Like, does does this mean that Hugh continues to exist in the mycelial network? Could he still interact with them? Well, still, there is a we, like, we know from I don't know. It's it's still we know from after Trek that there's going to be a dark um, a dark guy, right? Dark Culber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and again, maybe that's what we should, you know, get excited about. It still feels, I don't know. Uh, how, did you, how did you guys see that one? Yeah, well, just a, just on a side note there, the releasing the, the mirror uh, Stamets, you know, into his universe again by, by helping him get out, that kind of, you know, unleashes the dragon too, right? Mm-hmm. So, or the Kraken, as it were. Because uh, that, that's another not, another potential um, nemesis as we, or you know, adversary, as we say, we're saying, you know, you're asking about Lorca and uh, Georgia, right? So yeah. there's a third one potentially there, right? Yeah. And then now we also look at what happened between uh, Voke and Laurel. Laurel used her, uh, you know, uh, what, electrical gloves, her uh, her Nintendo Power gloves yeah, to yeah, try yeah. and heal Tyler Voke's minds. So are we supposed to infer from that that he is now 100% Voke inside Tyler's body? Mm, I was I confused by that scene because she, uh, she sort of stabilizes him and he starts finishing the prayer in English instead of in Klingon. And she does the um, what appears to be the howl that alerts the people of Stovacor that a warrior is about to arrive. Uh, it has left. It yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was a little yeah. unclear. Like I was under the impression Voke had died in some sort of sense. Yeah. yeah, and yet, yeah, and that that maybe Ash has sort of adopted his memories somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. Be, it's interesting. Be, be, we talked be, about we, we talked about her possibly joining the crew at some point, and now she has a reason to, since they're they're all trapped in the Mirror Universe, right? Mary Chief Chiefel's character, right? Yeah, Laurel. Yeah. So that that may be a case there, and and. Come, this also brings back to the very first episode where I complained about having to read uh, subtitles, <laughs> you know, when the Klingons talk. Because, you know, in, in all the other movies, you know, in, in um, Search for Spock, they, they zoom in on, on um, um, what's his name? Christopher anyway, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. They zoom in on him. He's speaking Klingon at first, but when the camera pulls pulls in close to him, he switches to English. Mm-hmm. English? Yeah. <laughs> Kielish? English? Um, so he um, he's able to, you know, so we're able to understand what he's saying without having to read subtitles. But it makes, totally makes sense now because now they, they were they started that separation between Klingon and English so that now they could have a character like uh, Volk slash uh, Ash who can, can flip back and forth and we know when he's being Volk and we know when he's being Tyler, right? So that yeah. makes sense in, in retrospect. So so one thing I think that Jonathan asked about the... So if we assume two different possibilities, one, that this is the last that we see of Culber, um, like like Prime Universe Culber, that he's, he's dead. Uh, it's a better send-off than I thought thought we were going to get um, <laughs> it was like all right so he dies sort of unceremoniously i thought for sure oh bringing back stamets part of that somehow brings back culber as well right like it'll be oh here's this like my serial network power that you know uh, dead fungus live fungus basically same thing you know the two halves of the same coin kind of thing um that didn't happen but with Lorel's abilities and if there's mention of mirror universe culber i wonder so i call this procedure scooping for uh tyler and Vogue. i wonder if they can scoop prime universe consciousness uh, or or copy of that of Culber into mirror universe Culber and that's the way they cheat to bring him back yeah or or does Culber end up being like um, uh, Stamets Orson you know where he goes off into the corner and has prayers with him and converses with him you know consults with him <laughs> you know yeah you wonder if he could exist in that like trapped in that universe his consciousness is trapped there then every time Stamets goes to make the ship go they could have an interaction again it still feels weirdly unsatisfying but I, I don't know well it's a typical sci-fi trope 
to cheat death, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So death, kill there. gaze. That's that's where it's at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had a feeling that at yeah. some point, uh, either during the season or or for sure during the series, they were going to destroy or have the mycelial network be destroyed, and that would be the sort of tie-in as to why ships have warp drives at all instead of just you know zooming around everywhere they want to be. Um, I, they, they sort of hinted that at the fact that the mycelial network is is dying. So I wonder if they're leaving the avenue open to do that very sort of thing. So it doesn't come as a complete surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So, th- so three episodes left. Three episodes left you know, this season. You know, I just thought I have to go way back in the thing here. Because um, you were just talking about killing off the gays, but they also killed off a bunch of minorities. And I just thought that you remember yep. the one that um, mm-hmm. the what you call it kills off Rekha somebody or other. Yep. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about Landry. Yeah. Yep. Landry. She, she's going to come back, you know, as Mira Landry, right? Yeah. Somewhere. So I, that's a weird little out. Again, they 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 killed off uh they killed off they had a, an Indian security chief she yeah. died so that's a woman of color suddenly yeah. uh yeah. and yeah and sort of in a weirdly inconsequential way um and then now so last week we uh, had a, a gay man of color killed off uh but they're going to bring back the mirror versions so they're bringing back mirror versions is it okay to kill off these uh you know these great representations of uh you know minorities and color and and uh, uh you know all these different you know female characters in these great roles they're just going to kill them off but if they bring them back as a mirror form it's okay yeah i guess yeah that must be sure yeah. Yeah. it didn't really happen you know yeah but this is what i said last week or two weeks ago are you really dead if you're if you're in a mirror universe right so well you know as long as your contract is still getting paid for and you come back a few episodes later sure yeah yeah i mean and you know why would you be excited about being on a show as somebody like like uh reka forgotten her last name sharma i think maybe mm-hmm. um why would you be excited about being on the show if you knew you were only going to be in like three episodes right yeah so, yeah well it seemed yeah. like a really strange casting choice before we sort of locked in on this being a mirror universe thing to have uh, an actress who had had, you know, some, you know, bona fides go in there and uh, appear for a couple episodes and then be killed off. Now, maybe they, we sort of thought, well, that's kind of very Tasha Yar where they sort of have, you know, somebody in a position. And yeah. And they bring off. her back in a mirror universe. Yeah. 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 And they bring her back in a mirror universe. Yeah. And she's really a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> so three episodes left. Uh, any predictions where we're going? Three episodes to go? I'm looking at the list of names for the next three episodes. So they are in order. What's past is prologue, the war without the war within, and will you take my hand? So my head starts saying, oh, well, what's past is prologue is saying, hey, everything that happened in this season has been leading up to this, right? That's all been the prologue to get to the real meat of the story, the final sort of, uh, what, hour and a half, let's say, like the, the movie premiere sort of thing. And the war without the war within sounds like there will be some sort of space battles. The um, Charan Karan um Charon. You know, the, the, um, Charon is that how it's, I know yeah, it's like a Greek it's, word, uh, but it's, I wasn't it sure. Charon, Kate. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh Charon was the um uh the ferryman of Hades, carried the souls of the dead to the across the river Styx. That's an old uh, Greek mythology piece. Um Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh it's also the name of one of uh the moons of Pl- uh, Pluto. Right. In which so isn't a planet. That ship um looks like it blows up real good, so I assume that like a big space battle happens somewhere within, you know, that episode as well as the war within being the how do you resolve these conflicts of of dealing with you know Tyler Voke and Mira Lorca and uh, still sort of repressed feelings of guilt with George O 
And then the finale, the season finale, Will You Take My Hand, sounds a whole lot like it could be a, you know, Lorca's like, will you join me on this trip, right? Well, like, he, he said all along we're going to get out of this together, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, so it do, feels like it, back to that, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, you know what's going to happen, though? Like, the, the last episode is going to be a giant, huge cliffhanger where, you know, jo or, um, Burnham has been working together with the Emperor and building this great plan or something. Meanwhile, Lorca's, you know, outstretching his hand saying, come with me and we'll escape here. And, and they'll be like, you know, okay, let's go. And they'll be, you know, they'll pack their bags and they'll climb out the window. And just as they get to the bottom of the stairs or whatever, or the, the climb, Giorgio will be there with her, you know, lasers pointed at them going, aha! And then we'll have to wait till next year, next year to find out what happens. Yeah, it does feel very cliffhangery. Like if you ended the Empire Strikes Back just at the Luke, I am your father and join me <laughs> moment. Yeah. Is yeah. what it feels like. Like just by the title and, and sort of where they're going with this season, that's what it feels like to me. You know, I never even noticed the parallel between uh, Kylo Ren outstretching his hand to um, Rey saying, join me in the same way that, that Darth Vader says that to Luke. I didn't just dawned on me when you said that. Yeah. 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 We have a very similar kind of parallels there. And that's sort of what I think will, like if I'm predicting right now, given we have three episodes to go, that's sort of what I think will happen for this season. Yeah. We're not getting out of the mirror universe in three episodes. No, and I, I kind of hope they don't. I mean, uh, you know, I liked that. I, uh, the second half of the season has been a really uh, satisfying, uh, you know, lots of, I mean, again, I saw some of it coming, but it was, I like how it's been done. I like where it's going. I like that now at this point, you know, all of the, uh, all, but most of the threads that they've been weaving have seemed to have come to uh, some interesting little, you know, uh, plot points. I'm, I'm really curious to see where they go now that we have it on the table. You know, Tyler is Vogue, so that mystery's gone. Lorca is, you know, Mirror Lorca. We know that now. Uh, we know that, the, you know, we've now got, we've met Evil Stamets. We've met Evil Giorgio. Like, I like how the chess pieces are set up. I, I kind of want to see what their, you know, grand finale move is here to get us to the end of the season. And But I hope it doesn't just end with them going, that was a good adventure. Glad we're back in the Prime Universe now. Like, I don't think that that will be a satisfying yeah. ending. Yeah, and, and it, I think definitely the, the whole idea of being in this Mirror Universe means they get to bend the rules. They get to break the, break the plot points and whatever. Because, I mean, like, again, you, I often wonder, I was just thinking about this, is, you know, if Discovery and, and the Discovery ship in itself and its mycenial drive and its ability to flip between universes is before Kirk and Spock, where is that technology when Kirk and Spock are around? Yeah, I mean, clearly something's going to go awry there eventually in the series so they don't continue doing I don't ever remember that. owning a droid. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or we'll find <laughs> out that they, in fact, aren't from the Prime Universe. They're from another version of the Prime oh, Universe. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe there, maybe there's like six universes or more, right? Yep. Right, right. Ooh. They're they're from like that one universe that ends up becoming overtaken by the Borg, if you remember that episode with Worf in like season seven, where he's jumping between quantum realities. Mm. You guys remember that scene where they, they go back to the point and they, they do, you know, technobabble stuff to it. And all of these different Starship Enterprises, the Enterprise D, all yeah, start popping yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, like yeah. confused yeah, as yeah. to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I, I think they probably won't go that way because I think, uh, so one thing I've seen online with folks is that they're sort of disappointed in some ways because I think they believed it was like a puzzle box situation where I sort of take it as it's so puzzle box being more like what J.J. Abrams sort of famously did with um, Lost and yeah. uh, folks feel the uh, the Force Awakens sort of follows the same beats of 
of like, hey, you're all these like these mysteries and threads and we answer a question and we get five more questions coming from it. I don't think this is meant to be that kind of show. It feels now to be more like a dramatic irony sort of show where we, the audience, know things uh, about the situation that the characters themselves don't understand and that raises the tension of like, oh, you know, are they going to figure out that Voke, or, sorry, that Tyler is a sleeper agent? Are they going to figure out that Lorca is mirror universe person and he's been, you know, manipulating things behind the scenes the entire time? I think that's kind of more the show that Discovery tends to be. Yeah, and imagine the shenanigans that Mirror Harry Mudd's going to get up to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. Either way, big thumbs up. Good episode. Looking forward to more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I didn't watch all of all of um, After Trek this weekend. It was uh, Jonathan, Frick, Jonathan Frakes was on it with um, the gentleman who plays Stemmets. So, yeah. All right, so let's move on to our wrap-up here, which is going to be covering some of the nominations, I believe, from the Oscars, I think if you've heard you mentioned them. Yeah, so uh, we'll have a look. Uh, so the nominees for the 90th uh, Annual Academy Awards came out this week, um, and we got a nice... Uh, I mean, we'll have a discussion. There was some nominees that would fall into the sort of sci-fi genre categories, so uh, I'll run down some mm-hmm. of them, and maybe you guys can uh, you know throw me your opinions as we go. So uh, in the category of Best Picture, we saw uh, The Shape of Water, uh, which was uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, new film, uh, which by any measure is a, is a work of science fiction. We also saw Get Out nominated there, which is ostensibly a horror flick. Um, maybe thriller. You could might stretch that to thriller, but either way. Um, for Best Director, uh, we also saw Jordan Peele for Get Out and Guillermo del Toro again for A Shape of Water. So there's uh, some, some good starts for the two of them. Um, we saw Daniel Kaluuya, who we mentioned in our uh, candidates for uh, uh, Best Actor for the, the Spocky Awards this year uh, for Get Out. Uh, he got nominated for Best Actor. Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water as Best Actress. We saw um, Richard Jenkins for Shape of Water as Best Supporting Actor. And Octavia Spencer for Best Supporting Actress for Shape of Water as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Best Original Screenplay, Get Out by Jordan Peele. Uh, Shape of Water mm-hmm. by Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor and, and based on a story by Guillermo. Uh, and we also saw Best Adapted Screenplay. We saw uh, Logan was in that category this year. Mm. Uh, screenplay is by Scott Frank, James Mangold, the director, and Michael Green. And the story was based on, of course, X-Men comic books. Um, it's a bit of a weird... I thought that was a bit of a stretch for adapting screenplay because it's not like they took an actual story. They just sort of adapted the character. They called that an adaptation. But anyway. For which one? For Logan. Because it wasn't based on an actual comic. It was based on the characters from the comics. Right. They called that an adapted screenplay. I, again, I think it's a bit of a stretch, but I'm, it's nice to see it got a nod because I think we agreed that was one of the best uh, pictures yeah. we liked last year. Uh, best animated features, uh, Boss Baby, The Breadwinner, Coco, Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent uh, were nominated. Uh, Lego Batman movie was not. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, we'll skip through. Uh, no. Uh, uh, best yeah, you got uh, cinematography, Blade Runner. Yeah. So Shape best original water. score, uh, Shape of okay. Water, Alexander Desplat, uh, Star Wars, Last Jedi, John Williams. So two in there. And then we also saw, yeah. So this is where we start getting into the uh, the big running categories for Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 got best sound editing. 
nominating for uh, Mike Maggini and Theo Green. Uh, Shape of Water got nominated. Uh, Nathan Robitaille and Nelson Ferreira uh, for Best Sound Editing. And Star Wars Last Jedi got Matthew Wood and uh, Ren Kleiss. Mm-hmm. Sound Mixing, Blade Runner 2049 again. Ron Bartlett, Doug Hemphill and Mac Ruth. And Shape of Water, Christian Cook, Brad Zurn and Glenn Gauthier. And uh, Star Wars Last Jedi is David Parker, Mike Semenik, Ren Kleiss again, and Stuart Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. And then Production Design, Spl- uh, Blade Runner 2049. So that's uh, Dennis Glasner and Alexandra Kirzola. I don't know if we consider Beauty and the Beast to be sci-fi? Uh, a stretch? No. <laughs> fantasy. I've not fantasy. seen this adaptation, but unless it somehow involves, uh, you know, mowing, going to a different universe or something that could be tweaked. Yeah, be... no, no, it's fantasy. It's, it's sci-fi it, yeah, fantasy it'd probably fall under fantasy. It's got a monster yeah. and it's got beasts and, you know, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, production design, Sarah Greenwood and set direction by Katie Spencer. Uh, that got a nominee for best production design. And I, I watched that movie. It has excellent production design. It's, it's fantastic looking film. The Beauty and the Beast? Yep, yep. I, I don't like it as much as like the animated picture, but I, I thought it was mm. it was really well done. Uh, right. Shape of Water also got uh, production design nomination. Uh, Paul Denham Osterberry and uh, Shane Dio and Jeff Melvin. Uh, best mm-hmm. Cinematography. This is always a great category. Blade Runner 2049. Roger Deakins uh, nominated there. Uh, and Shape of Water, Dan Lauston. Uh Let's see. We also have... Um, you got film editing for Baby Driver. Don't forget our, our pal. That's uh, right. Our, our Edgar, yeah. Edgar Wright's film got a uh, nod for Best Sound Editing. And that, again, has terrific sound that wasn't film it yeah well uh, yeah i was talking so, about film editing yeah, uh, film sound it. mixing sound editing and film editing so uh yeah right, three nominations yeah. for baby driver we also got best costume design beauty and the beast was there jacqueline duran uh shape of water luis Segarra, uh best film editing baby driver paul maclis and jonathan amos uh we also got shape of water sydney walinski and best Did you visu- do visual effects best visual effects that's our last categories uh blade okay. runner 2049 john nelson gerd nefzer paul lambert richard r hoover at guardians of the galaxy volume two nominated there christopher townsend guy williams jonathan Faulkner, and dan sudik uh kong skull island which i have not seen stephen stephen rosenbaum yeah. jeff white scott benz and mike minardis J- uh, star wars last jedi ben morris mike Mulholland, neil scanlon and chris corbold and war for the planet of the apes joe letary daniel barrett dan lemon and joe whist so that's a tough that's a tough one to, that's, to pick I think, that's right? a tough category that's that's going to be an interesting one i also think uh the best cinematography we've got blade runner roger deakins going up against uh, darkest hour dunkirk shape of water mm-hmm. um yeah. roger deakins uh is, you know this is a guy who's worked on a ton of movies over the years you know going back into the 80s you know uh he did you know uh 1984 he did sid and nancy he did mm-hmm. you know uh barton fink he did um you know shawshank redemption wow. you know oh brother where art thou beautiful mind uh i mean this guy has had a killer career and he's never won an oscar so hmm that would be one of the ones that i might I might, if I'm making a ballad, I might think about that. His last few few movies he's made: Blade Runner 2049, Hail Caesar, Sicario, uh, Unbroken with Angelina Jolie, Prisoners with Denis Villeneuve. So he's worked with Denis Villeneuve a few times. Uh, True mm-hmm. Grit, Skyfall. Um, you know, this guy has done some amazing looking pictures over the years. Uh, no Country for Old Men. I mean, this guy is a legit genius. Um, so mm-hmm. he might be an odds-on favorite for winning that one. Sure. By the way, uh, um, Shape of Water, the star who plays the fish monster guy. Doug Jones is, from uh, Star Trek. Doug Jones from yeah, who plays Saru? On, it's Saru, really? It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, I got to see that movie. That that sounds interesting because I really do like his his take on Saru because he I mean, he's got a challenging sort of whole set of prosthetics and everything to deal with. And he like mm-hmm. I originally thought he was just going to be Space Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. Um, from like the first <laughs> episode or two, I thought, oh okay, this is like being be the whiny dude, uh, you know, who's super smart. And he's 
not like he's very uh he's got his own sort of challenges and he has his own moments and the performance is done really well like just with his eyes uh, and yeah and his but you know he voice. he's i checked out his he was on uh, q today talking to uh, tom power on q radio cbc q radio q tv show no cbc radio q um and i went back through his imdb page he was the the fish guy from um hellboy hellboy yep. he was also um he's 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 been in a bunch of benicio del toro uh, movies in pan's labyrinth he was mm-hmm. the big monster with you know the hand the eyeballs on his hands and yep. um a number of like you know uh he in the falling skies he played one of the one of the aliens in that um he's yeah he's been he's been in the makeup a lot yeah he was silver surfer in uh, fantastic four oh, was he silver really? surfer wow. yeah uh oh. yeah he's he's been uh one of those under the mask uh characters for a long time uh right. and you know everybody focuses on the sort of mocap andy circus uh and there's no question andy circus is a genius actor uh but doug jones doesn't always get his due for being really good at conveying a lot with his body and his his right. head motions his eyes uh he is a, he's an exceptional actor who works under pretty daunting conditions and and does an excellent job i'm glad that you mm-hmm. said that because right before you did i was thinking wow this sounds like this is a poor man's andy circus of like oh we, we, that's our budget oh we can't afford andy circus all right call doug jones he's, he'll do a good job yeah for less money pretty much pretty yeah, much that's what sure, it feels yeah. like but uh yeah so i mean you know people kind of uh, got up in arms this week uh there was obviously some movies that were very popular at the box office that didn't uh resonate like wonder woman uh wonder woman did not get a single nomination in any category uh and you know that includes some of the ones that you might have considered uh best director for patty jenkins right. uh best right. actress for gal gadot uh gadot um visual effects uh you know costume design um you know makeup and hairstyling there's some i thought some a great period work in the you know the 19 teens uh you know costumes and stuff like they did there um cinematography was really good the sound mixing on that was great the sound editing was good i thought the score was really strong so I, it, it does feel like maybe it got a little little snub uh mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know that i would argue uh as strongly for and, and maybe this is my own personal thing because i i have as i've said on the show like i have issues with the last third the third act of the movie i agree uh, i agree so so best director i'm like mm, you're going up against some, some tough stuff there that that's a really packed one best actress also going against some tough stuff yep. um i'm uh, best visual effects uh it's a really packed category and the last third is sort of where i feel like some of those issues all sort of come into play kind of surprised on uh makeup hairstyling and costume design um and i'm gonna pick on costume design like i granted the the wonder woman uh, outfit was already designed i'm sure it was tweaked in some sort of way for wonder woman but it was already designed uh for the screen essentially by um not justice league uh, batman versus superman mm-hmm. um but if you've got stuff like uh darkest hour right that am i correct in thinking that's the one about winston churchill mm-hmm. yep Gary yeah. so, so my 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 mini rant and i'm i'm sure if there's any like industry people who are not on this show oh um, wait they're gonna get <laughs> real angry at me. <laughs> but i think of costume design as like you know design plus implementation versus implementation so i, I feel very negative about things like oh we took this period piece it's like yeah you, you could go look at paintings and pictures of exactly what that is and i'm sure it takes a lot of skill and and, and work to uh, make those sorts of things but there's no sort of creativity and like oh look this is exactly what winston churchill made uh, wrote uh, sorry war versus yeah. hey um what does this swamp creature look like yeah right like i feel like it's a completely different set of skills there yeah yeah that's true yeah um i think you know the the one thing that we had kind of agreed on in our uh, our first annual spocky awards this year was that uh you know 
exceptional performances from Hugh Jackman in his last performance as Logan. Uh, and mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart, I thought, was was really, uh, you know, superb uh, in his last portrayal of Charles Xavier, too. A um, little disappointed that we didn't get to see either of those. Although, as you say, uh, Jaime, I think, you know, those categories are, are pretty stacked. Um, and, and it's hard to argue against the ones they chose. I haven't seen... Um, Call Me By Your Name or Phantom Thread, uh, Darkest Hour. Uh, Denzel Washington got nominated for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Um, so uh, I can't speak to those, but uh, but I know I enjoyed the performances that I saw. And, uh, you know, it, it does feel like, you know, sometimes you feel like those, you know, even though they're conquering the box offices, these movies don't necessarily get their due. Sometimes they do. We do see things like uh, The Dark Knight rise, uh, The Dark Knight breakthrough and have, you know, mm-hmm. a best actor or best supporting actor for, uh, for you know the performance of the Joker, we, we you know we, we are getting these occasional blips, but a lot of it just sort of you know seems like it's still on that second tier of, of what these voters are looking for. Uh, my personal favorite nomination is Christopher Plummer, a Canadian, got nominated for All the Money in the World, uh, which Did he really, <laughs> which he was parachuted in to play uh, this uh, character as J. Paul Getty and uh, and pulled out uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, which yeah I thought that was that was good. Um, yeah, again I. I don't have any strong disagreements with these categories, but uh, it would be nice to see something that is a, a slightly more reflective of, uh, of you know, the entire uh, movie-going audience and not just uh, you know a bunch of uh, old, old people who really like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finally, Donald Sutherland, Canadian actor of you know, up there with uh, Christopher Plummer in a sense, uh, is also nominated for an honorary Academy Award this year. Mm. Yeah, is he? Is he's never won one. Uh, don't think so. Come on, Hawkeye, really? <laughs> You probably don't get that reference. Oh no, I, I got it. I remember the original Mash. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 true. I mean, he's of course you know uh, here he's a legend, right? Like, I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was like star of that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But you know, it's true. I, I'm trying to think of whether he would have been sort of in that. You know, uh, yeah, he did. I mean, there was Played, some... uh, the main character in Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just trying to think of there was anything that was sort of you know of that caliber that would get you nominated for that though. Uh, see Golden Globe oh Citizen X well, that was TV show that was TV movie you're talking about his stuff yeah I was just looking through his IMDB but uh, you don't think a like... supporting actor for like Hunger Games is President Snow uh, <laughs> no he was chewing the scenery up and spitting it out there yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah. No, when, I th- when I think when I think of him I th- I th- like um, and like I said Envisions of the Body Snatchers probably one that comes back to me the most that's you know the version he, were, he was in was probably the better of those of that that particular movie as a sci-fi goes as well yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, he was also in. Uh, there was he was in a couple of high, he was in a Highline movie too. Um, oh, it was really badly done, but he was, was good in it. Um, puppet, the Puppet Masters, Puppet something or other. I have to. Well, I'll have to fact check that one. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Good book, but they didn't. They ruined it in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our picks. We're running out of time here, so um, mine was real quick. I actually watched Get Out last night, um, which was interesting because I, he- I heard an interview about with Jordan Peele again. Jordan Peele also nominated for for uh, writing. I guess for the uh, for the original screenplay as well as being uh, possibly best director. And I think it was his first film as well. Yep, first feature. Uh, yeah, first feature film. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it, I heard an interview with him, and they were talking about you know the sort of subtle racism in the in the initial part of the the movie, which kind of intrigued me enough that I you know I've, I've been, been meaning to find out where it was, and I, I found it on our, our HBO or, or Go, which is TMN Go up here. And so I watched it yesterday, and I was actually surprised that it kind of spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it. It kind of turned. It has that. Uh, bordello of blood you know flip in the middle of the, of the movie and it actually does become a horror movie i was kind of wondering why 
you know, as you're watching the movie and the pacing of it, you're kind of thinking like, when does it, you know, in terms of like how horror movies actually work, you know, like there's always, you know, lots of like violent deaths and things like that and shotguns and the belly and things like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You kind of like all of a sudden it just starts, you know, uh, you know, it has a couple of, a couple of jump out of your seat moments early on, which is kind of, you know, classical of, or in a trope of a horror movie. I was kind of waiting for, I was kind of wondering, is, and, and he sort of talked about his inspiration uh, from movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Shining is kind of those sort of character horror movies where you're, you're, you're nothing really, you know, blatantly happens, but it's like, it's still a horror. It gets under your skin kind of thing. And, and the movie does kind of creep along in that sort of way. Uh, and then it gets all kind of twisty at the end there. So and it's really, it's enjoyable if you're into that, if you're into that uh, type of thing. But um, I was kind of wondering when it was going to make that turn or if it was going to make that turn and become a tr- typical horror movie. Have you seen it, Jonathan? No, it's like, it's been on my to-do uh, list for a while. Uh, what, what, what's your take on Daniel Kaluuya's, Kaluuya's performance? I know that he's, uh, a lot of people are excited about him. He got nominated for an Oscar this year. Yeah, um, it, it, good. I, I, I don't know. See, again, it's hard to say in a horror movie, like if, if somebody's acting is like super duper, uh, the, the girlfriend in that movie, well, holy cow, <laughs> she was good in that. Um, surprisingly good. Um, I mean, I and it's my, kinda... my, without going too far into spoiler territory, yeah. um, I think my, my favorite character is probably uh, the TSA agent. Which oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. that dude needs to get a supporting actor role. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, n- nomination. Um, but yeah, yeah t- I, I agree with Tim that it's uh, it's kind of a slow burn mm-hmm. um, until the fuse goes out and then it, everything goes uh, like a lot of those other movies that you, that you mentioned. It blows up real good. Yeah. 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 The, the, the last <laughs> act is, is, is definitely different than the first two. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of what, yeah, it's, it sort of has that, um, um, they do that in, in the hot fuzz has that sort of turn, you know, where it's, everything sort of seems to be a plain old English, you know, village and, you know, where this cop goes to work and, and turns out to be this, you know, and they do it also in, um, one of the, uh, Wallace and Gromit movies, uh, where, the, you know, the city, the, 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 the town planners are sort of nefarious and have this underworld culty kind of thing happening. You kind of get that sense as you're going through this kind of in the same way that Rosemary's Baby kind of, you know, I've never seen Rosemary's Baby, but it's a really good horror movie from the, from the 60s um, where it's very subtle as things start to happen. And, and uh, you have this one character who's kind of going, this isn't quite right, right? And like this, I'm not sure this is how it's supposed to be. And and it turns out to be a real, real twist in the end there. So mm-hmm. yeah, good movie. I, I, definitely worth, worth watching. I think, I think uh, it's one of those, uh, you know, one of those movies where people could spoil it really quickly, but you know, um, you know, like the crying game kind of got, you know, once I, there was no point in seeing the crying game once the, the the secret was out kind of thing right so yeah i'm not gonna say any more about it but yeah if you if you haven't seen get out it's definitely worth worth watching so yeah so Jaime, you have a pick or uh, something to watch i do it's a series a limited series on netflix called the toys that made us um they say it's supposed to be eight episodes but only four of them are available right now and each episode sort of delves into some of the history behind some of the major toy lines from the past uh star wars is is covered because of course it was sort of like the the progenitor of you know big action movies sci-fi movies fantasy movies having you know collectible tie-ins of some sort and action figures and, and whatnot um and how it sort of made the company that was uh kenner um barbie is covered in a different episode and you learn a whole lot about sort of how <laughs> that whole industry works which is really sort of surprising there's like it's twisted uh, espionage it's twisted. that goes into it. yeah yeah and there's like a a not safe for work sort of uh yeah uh origination for for barbie which is interesting yeah um he-man and the masters of the universe is another episode and that was uh keen for me because that was definitely a, a favorite of mine when i was growing up and then they also have gi joe including both the 
uh, the more modern one that I was familiar with from oh, the with 80s, Life the Like Hair and Bread, inch, you know, Sergeant Slaughter and cartoon show ones, and the one that Tim is more familiar with, the one with the kung fu grip and you know, uh, true to life bread. Is that what the the term? Yeah, was? Li- Life Like Hair and Bread. Right, right. <laughs> so I thought I thought it was great. Like they cover a lot of the behind the scenes of like they're flying by the seat of their pants in every circumstance when it comes to making these things. It's no different than any other sort of product development. So seeing how they come up with these things and how they uh, became successes and how they, in just about every case, sort of flamed out as sort of a, a fad and fashion-driven industry is, is real interesting. So if you like that sort of thing, if you grew up with any of these, I highly recommend you watch this on Netflix. Yeah, cool. Yeah. On my list for sure. Yeah, I, 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 watched, uh, I watched it over a couple weeks ago and uh, it's it, it's funny. It's, it's weirdly... Uh, the production value doesn't feel very high. It feels a little cheesy, but uh, but it's fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. The I love the G.I. Joe episode. That was fantastic. The Star Wars, I kind of knew a little bit about because I'd read stories about that in the past. And you have and hundreds the bar- of those And the Barbie yeah. was uh, was also another one that was like, as you say, not safe for work, but some really interesting twists on, you know, the how the guy spends his money after becoming a Barbie millionaire. And yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting stuff. I haven't watched the He-Man one yet. That's the one I guess I've got to finish that one. But uh, the other three I found really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, see what else they, they cook up there. Cool. All right. So, Jonathan, you're off uh, to the races. Yep. Here. I got uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, for you, Tim, Wonder Woman is coming to TMN on February Yay. 3rd. So for all of you who, uh, for all, like Tim and the two other guys who haven't seen it, uh, it's just no excuses now. It's on TMN here in Canada uh, in uh, a week. Don't you have a disc of it, though? I, I do. I do. At some point, you and I have to actually, you know, connect. Mm-hmm. For that, uh, at some point, um, and uh, story this uh, just came out today that um, uh, some of the sort of uh, deleted scenes. Now we always get this whenever there's a novelization of uh, of you know films that some of the stuff uh, that was going to be left on the cutting room floor that was in the screenplay or they've just decided to flesh out the book. Uh, so the novelization of Star Wars: The Last Jedi is going to have some scenes that we didn't get to see in the film. Uh, apparently, some of the things that they're going to include there are our Han Solo's funeral. We're also going to get uh, a deeper look at uh, some of the characters as, as you'd expect. But, um, you know, it, I know, uh, Tim, you uh, you enjoyed the um, audiobook version of uh, Force Awakens, where they sort of take it to some other different places. Um, so I, I must admit, I'm a little curious to see uh, what how they depict that, how, how that scene comes together, uh, a funeral for Han Solo, because we kind of just sort of skipped past that and jumped right into the action when we get to, uh, when we get to last jedi so uh you know a little moment in there that we can sort of get in there and um yeah we, there's apparently some scenes with rose and Paige, her sister that we see uh in the opening scenes of, of the movie um some more look at canto bite and some other sort of tastes and uh so yeah it'll be interesting it's coming out um march 6th yeah i think i was gonna watch gonna go grab that cover so, so so the deleted scenes are gonna be actually in the book in the novelization not necessarily in, yeah in they, the... they haven't said they they didn't say if they filmed any of this stuff or if any of this stuff is right, is yeah, going to be yeah. on the Blu-ray or, or digital release or anything, but uh, they have teased this that uh, if you're a fan of you know some of this stuff and you want that extra layer, that uh, yeah. getting the book or the audio book will give you uh, a little more depth in that world. So uh, yeah, in the book of Force Awakens, you know you find out how Poe gets off of the planet and back to you know the rebels or whatever because yeah. that was a sort of a plot hole in in the Force Awakens. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be checking that one out. I should also mention I didn't mention in my picks if I can just take a second here um i have been watching the blade runner uh, behind the scenes stuff because i got the disc as well um i was just reminded by my comment about your, the wonder woman disc uh, and actually it's quite good i mean 
mean, like, um, to see how they kind of filmed a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that they actually built sets. They actually did, like, you know, proper, they built cars and they built, it wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of CGI in the movie. Um, they actually went to a naval yard where they take apart ships and the part, you know, the scene where he goes to the orphanage. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a real place, right? So um, lots of pr- practical effects is the word I'm looking for mm-hmm. the, in that movie. So, which is very akin to how, you know, uh, Ridley Scott would have done the original Blade Runner 2, right? So, because using real buildings in LA and that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, and, you know, actual, like when he's walking through the uh, Las Vegas uh, landscape and there's all these, you know, crashed, you know, large figures that actually made these car- these uh, big giant sculptures that he walks through. So, And that's why you don't, that's how you don't make your money back at the box office when you, that's true. you spend, spend all that money. money on production value. And, you know, again, yeah. hey, you get an Oscar nomination. You got five Oscar nominations. That's, you know, actually one that's of the highest true. totals this year. So, you know, they spent some money yeah. and they, you know, they definitely got some some lauds for that. But uh, Well, and, and I've said before, whenever I watch Blade Runner, especially now that I'm getting higher, higher res versions. By the way, I just, uh, I have the Blade Runner on iTunes and you mentioned last week about, uh, the I'm talking about the original one, that the, the um, final director's special yep. slash whatever. Um, I have that one and on, on my iPhone 10 it shows up as a HDR version of the video, hmm. which is, you know, I guess is akin to, we just got joined by Greg Hio, by the way. Hey, Greg. Um, are you there? Oh, you're, you're, you're raising his hand. Hello. Um, yeah, we were just, uh, so HDR is, is, I guess it's akin to, uh, it's not quite 4K, but it's it's a special high, high like a double density kind of uh, image, which is better than a regular image, I guess. Yep. Yeah. High dynamic range imaging. Right. Yes. Yes. Cool. My, my 14 year old can tell you all about it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hey, Greg, will you join just in time for us to sign off? Good timing. I was muting myself. Yes, I see that. Yep. Anyway, yeah, we just, we're just wrapping up the show. So, um, yeah. So I guess we'll just uh, wrap it up and say, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the intro- interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at the dev with the hair. All right. And Jonathan, if people want to find you on the interwebs. I'm on Twitter as at JPK News. And okay, Greg, since you crashed our party here, uh, where can they find you on the interwebs? I'm also on Twitter as at Greg Heo. All right. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And we'll talk to you guys in the future. All right. So, hey, Jonathan, this is me, Greg. Greg. Oh, hey. uh, Sorry. Bye. (laughs) Bye. 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 That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. Um...
So, Greg, this is Jonathan. Jonathan is my stepson. He lives in Toronto, and or actually Mississauga. Greg is is uh, one of our interlopers here. For, he used to live in Toronto, but he moved down to um, to San Francisco, where he was working for Facebook for a while. And now he's working for a cool um, fashion tech. We company. call it fashion tech. Cool. <laughs> so uh, Jaime and I are in fintech, and you're in exactly fashion tech? yeah or fad tech. Fash tech? No, that sounds like fashion. Fash something. That's no good. Fashion tech. Yeah. Fashion tech. Let's <laughs> see the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. So Greg's a fascist. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> do a really, really mean edit of He's the a show now. Really, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad uh, we got a little bit of, of, of after-show material out of this because there was some weird irony, and you know, we often talk about plot holes and like this part of the series or this part of the movie didn't make sense. Like out sure. of nowhere, there's just like, hey, here's this Greg Hero character right in like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, what? Who's this person? It's like de- Deus Ex yeah. Machina. Are you saying I'm going to come in just just save the plot? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's the plot hole. Yep, yep, for sure. That movie wouldn't have made sense until Greg showed up. <laughs> yeah, he's the empty chair filler for the Oscars kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a job. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. Might as well be you. Alrighty. So, yeah, that's it. That's, that's all. Woo. Wow, you guys record back-to-back yep. like this all the time? Yeah, and so we, we kind of sort of send Mark a little message saying, yeah, we'll be another 15 minutes or whatever. So normally what what Jaime and I do is we, we end this call and we go off and have a pee break and then come back and start. <laughs> Just to call a bio break for a polite company here. Okay. Bio, oh, bio break. Sorry, yeah, we go have a bio break. What, uh, what time do you guys start? Exactly. Uh, normally, well, we try to aim for ten thirty, but but really, because that gives Mark time to get home from. No, from I mean, what time do you start this current show? Oh, this starts at uh, nine. This starts so it's at like nine. hour and a yeah. half. Or, sorry, it starts at six your time. Yeah. Okay, hour and a half. That's a long, yeah. uh, long time to chat. Well, we 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 do aim for an hour, but okay. you know, we get Stuff gabby. Happens. My colleague uh, Alexis, to- uh, he asked me today. He's like, "Do you watch Star Trek Discovery?" And I said, uh, yeah. "No." He's like, "I was like." Do you have to pay for it on CBS or something? Is that still a thing? Is that how you watch it? Or is there, have they opened it up to Netflix or somewhere else now? Not yet. Well, in, in Canada, it's on space, uh, okay. right? So we get it for, f- well, relatively free. So your cable package, cable. yeah. But yeah, in the, everywhere else but the United States, it's on Netflix because mm-hmm. Netflix paid for it. And um, so but Jaime has to pay CBS streaming or something like that? On. Is that CBS only Star Trek or yeah. do you get other stuff? Like all the other wonderful CBS shows as well? You get a handful. I don't think it's their full catalog. Okay. Um, like I think the the Good Fight, the spinoff from The Good Wife, is on there. We're eventually going to get the Jordan Peele executive produced uh, Twilight Zone revival, and uh, I'm I'm championing the idea that if CBS is going to bring back Murphy Brown, at least bring it to CBS All Access, so I feel like I get something <laughs> for my five ninety nine. When Star like Trek the original Discovery Murphy Brown or, or a redo, reboot of Murphy no, no, Brown. they announced that today that it's coming back with the same actor. Yep. Oh, Candace yeah, Bergen. I think it but continues didn't on. Wow. Her didn't her the painter guy. Isn't he dead? Yes, he, he did. He away. died. He died several years ago. Yeah. So he's going to be what, in an ashtray or something? Or? <laughs> yeah, they'll put him in the, the dust. <laughs> they'll just trapped. cast. You know. they'll just cast Christopher Plummer <laughs> and move bin. on. It's going to be our go-to for like. Oh, you need to stick somebody in there. Where's Christopher Plummer doing this week? Yeah. So Greg, he was our place Christopher Plummer. Then I guess. <laughs> it's Dr. We're CGIing him in. Yeah. Put Mark's face on the uh, CGI him in. Yeah. Yeah. We we brought back Tupac. We can bring back this dude. Um, who's going to do? Well, I want to be a hologram. Do the, the acting yeah. Andy Circus. No, we don't have the budget. Call Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's nasty. Is he Canadian, Doug Jones? Doug Jones? No, I believe he's British. Oh, British. Close enough. Okay. Doesn't sound it. Doesn't sound it. Yeah, the other thing too, if you want to watch, uh, uh, I think Amazon Prime is adding um, CBS All Access. But, but again, oh, you have to pay an extra I, five I, bucks or something. Yeah. Doug Jones, what? actor. Hang on. I want to make sure I get it right. Since we're here, he's American. Nope. He is in fact Ooh, American. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Indianapolis, Indiana. Not even a subject of the Queen. What were you thinking, Tim? Hi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, he was asking me if I watch it, and I said, "Oh, is it on Netflix or is it still that CBS thing?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he said it was. Uh, I think he said he got it, it's getting better as the season continues or something. So I was like, "Oh, it's like okay, maybe I'll listen to some more episodes." Well, it got real good there, and see episodes, what it's about. Yeah. Or I guess it's very spoilery the show, so I can't really listen to it until yeah. I've watched. We warn you. We warn okay. you. Yeah. Okay. Right, so, so, so I was going to be my next question. Have you listened to Spotcast at all? No, because I don't want to be spoiled. Oh, because I'm okay. worried that there's going to be right. a lot of spoilers. So I haven't listened to it. Is yeah. that is that a well, valid we, worry or should I not bother and just listen? We'll pick out we episodes also, that we don't talk about Star Trek. There are a few of those. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. did. Yeah. Cause I was telling my colleague how like you guys talk about Star Trek, but then I was like, there's only 11 episodes of Star Trek or something, but you guys have 18 episodes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, obviously they're talking about some, unless one episode is so 20. good. They're talking about it over two episodes, but yeah, this is episode, episode 21. I believe we're doing okay. it. Yep. Now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, and so what we did with, with Thor Ragnarok and, and last Jedi is we did, you know, five or 10 minutes of um, spoiler free and then we said okay we're gonna skip ahead you know if you don't want to listen to the next 10 minutes uh, and then we just pull all the stops okay. out right well sometimes you're not as spoiler friendly on the other show so that's why i was just thinking ah it's all gonna be spoilers <laughs> i can't listen we say spoilers after we've spoiled everything <laughs> after you just said so that's great uh, <laughs> all right maybe i'll look at some of the you're... show notes and find the show where there isn't too cool. much spoilery stuff or yeah. or just start watching the show and then yeah i know that's play along that's with true. us right that's true. Uh, there's the, the back catalog will always be there. The internet is internet is forever. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though because we had a couple of theories here that that have have come to pass um, in the last couple of episodes. But you know, we, we were building towards mm. them, and and Jonathan Jonathan's always got you know a nose for plot plot mm. points, and um, so he made a couple of predictions a couple of like many many episodes ago, and and came tr- a couple of them came true, and then you know yeah, this last two episodes were a bunch of big reveals <laughs> so, of the of the Star Trek uh, discovery. Okay. It could go an interesting. Interesting way. We'll see what happens with it, right? Did you watch the other? Did you watch um, Next Generation and all that? Oh, yeah, things? Next Generation. I watched, like, I think that was airing while I was watching it back in the day. So I've seen the episodes yeah. all out of order, but I think I watched them all in order eventually. And Deep Space Nine, kind of here and there, but more in more recent memory, I did watch that entire series back to back because I think that series is more or less episodic, if that's the word. Like, they continue the story. If you watch, if you watch mm-hmm. Next Generation out of order, you're like, well, whatever, this character is a little different, their hair is a little different or something but it's not that serious whereas for Deep Space Nine I feel like if you watch them out of order just randomly on network television you'll be totally like what they're at war they're not at war what's going on you know what I mean (laughs) like I think that was a big change for that series so I did make a point of watching it end to end I'm like this is actually pretty good Uh, you know they had had its downs moments I hate the mirror universe but um, so I think those two I've watched Um, the other ones Voyager not really Enterprise not really in the original well Discovery is Discovery is definitely a serial you have to you you want to watch it from the first episode episode what time does end. it take place in it's between um the enterprise which oh, is you know, yeah. jonathan okay. archer version and uh the, uh the original series so it's before Kirk oh Spock. interesting okay oh no actually it's uh because michael Burnham. well here's a bit of a spoiler michael burnham is spock's ah, spoilers okay okay yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. adjacent like right before maybe yeah spock is a lot older and he's older than kirk so by the time they get together on the, the, the original enterprise i think you know um spock's kind of grown up a bit. How, what's the lifespan of, of Vulcan? He's like half 
Vulcan, wasn't he? Oh. Anyway, full Vulcan. Fact check. The, Where's our fact the, check guy? What's the lifespan? <laughs> I don't know if they ever explicitly stated a, a life expectancy, but I think there were some that are 150 to 200 years old that have occurred in the series, and it didn't seem like it was uncommon. Okay. I, I, I had the feeling it was longer than humans, but not like they're not like elves in Lord of the Rings or anything like that. They they're just like a little no. bit more. And, and even by the time of the next generation, it's not uncommon for humans to be in the 100 plus range, given that Doctor McCoy shows up. That's true. He's yeah, pretty like but he he's can't even walk properly and point. such. So I don't know. That's still yeah. Fun. But don't forget, Spock was Spock came into into uh, the next generation quite late, right? In the yeah. reunification yeah. series, right? And he was still he seems still seem healthy. Okay, yeah. it's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we got to uh, we got to break up for a moment, and uh, Mac has to go outside. Oh my God, he has a bio break too. Right. and yeah, he does too. Yeah, he was down here a little while ago looking for one. So so we'll uh, we'll uh, post a new meeting in the um in the oh a Discord new meeting. Okay, so I won't stay on this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Jaime just keeps the recording running. Okay. So, did you say something, Jonathan? No, I'm, I'm busy looking up how old Mr. Spock was. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's wait. Hang on. Follow up for next week. I'll, I'll do an Ask do, Spock cast. Do, do, what is the average life expectancy do, 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 of a Vulcan? Do, Half do, and full. Do, 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 well, let's see. Uh, oh, we some some fan extrapolation here says that based on his age at, you know, the original series versus where he is, when he crosses into the Kelvin timeline, uh, the, the estimate is he's 157 in the events of the new Star Trek, first Star Trek reboot with J.J. Abrams. So mm. by the time mm-hmm. he dies, he's probably pushing 160. Okay. Mm. And how would he, how old would he have been in the original? Uh, I think they said he was 35. Oh, man, you came back in time. Oh, okay. 35. Wow, pretty young. Yeah. Or, I don't know, for Vulcan in the future, that sounds kind of young. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to trust anybody's math, it's going to be Star Trek fan extrapolation math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a reliable source on the internet. I feel like it is. Or if Reddit. Anything on the internet is reliable. It's that. Isn't yeah. that why the internet was created? Pretty much. Star Trek trivia and Star Wars trivia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, folks. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon and later. All right. Bye, John. See you guys. Bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.